It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports commentator with Rick Broering. We look at sports topics of local interest, national interest, and uh, much, much more. And uh, we got gambling picks for you as well at the end of the show, in which uh, I slid backwards a little bit last week, and Rick's starting to make a little move. Creeping slightly. Creeping slowly. You're a creeper, I know that. So a basketball expert, Rick Broering. No, creeper is what you are. Okay. Creeper. Relax. All right, start us off, Rick. Luke Fickle will remain the head coach at Cincinnati. Fickle turned down Michigan State on Monday, stating, I had to make a selfish decision, but this selfish decision was what was right for my family, and that is to be here, to be with you guys, and continue to do what is what it is we've done. Fickle is 26-13 and 13 overall and 2-0 and in bowl games at Cincinnati. Michigan State introduced Colorado's Mel Tucker as the Spartans' new head coach on Wednesday. Skinny, start with this. Did Luke Fickle make the right decision for himself? I mean, we talked about it last week, and I think we both thought he's probably better off staying at Cincinnati. I mean, unless they were going to throw just the most ridiculous amount of money with the most ridiculous level of security at you ever. Um, I, I think it is because they're facing possible sanctions, and you can even put that to the side. I just don't know on a regular basis if they keep up with Ohio State and Michigan, and Wisconsin, and even Penn State, and to some degree on seasons, Iowa. I mean, I, I just don't know, know if that's the best situation. If, you, if you're in it for the, for the money, and who's not? I mean, let, let's face it, a lot of decisions we all make in life are money-based, and I don't begrudge anybody that. But if the money isn't significant enough to make you just drop everything and go, then I think he did make the right decision because he's betting on himself with a good team and in a really good situation and potentially a better job to open up at, at some point than Michigan State. And I just don't I, I don't blame him. Well, that's the thing. I, I think Michigan State, and again, it's easy to forget that they did make a college football playoff. Right, they they right. made the first one, I think. I think you're right. Second one. Um, but at the same time, especially with what they're dealing with right now in terms of their public image, their PR is a disaster. It's a nightmare right now. I don't know that this is the time to be wanting to take over the Michigan State program. And if you're Luke Fickle, you will be one of the hottest names, especially after this, because this just raised his national profile even more than it already was, which it was as high as it can be as a as a whatever you call it, pa- pa- Big six or big five or whatever yeah, they call themselves yeah. now. Uh, coach. I call it the non-power five. Yeah, the non-power. If, as a non-power five football coach, his profile was already big. But now t- turning down Michigan State, it makes him he- even bigger going forward. And Cincinnati's not going to lose in the American Conference no. for the next three years minimum under Luke Fickle's direction. No, unless the, something catastrophic happens. And if every domino fell right, you would well. You don't even have to have very domino fall, right? You, you just have to be the best of the of the of the non power five schools to make a New Year's Six bowl. Okay, I, I think they're more than capable of that. They were more than capable of it this past year. Memphis was just better, and you had to play them twice at their place, which made it really tough. If all the dominoes fell right in a given year, and you pulled your your, they usually have one really difficult non conference game. If you were able to win that. Maybe you put yourself in the conversation for the college football playoff. No, I don't that's think that's the not, case. Come on, no, I don't that's, think that's the case. I mean, if UCF could you couldn't if you, do it, could you? Have, could you imagine if you did do that though? I mean, I mean, if UCF couldn't do it with the runs they had, yeah, you're but UCF not didn't have any. I mean, you see, at least scheduled somebody tough outside the league. UCF never really did that. I'd have to go back and look at the exact games they've played, but I feel like they've they've played some non conference. Anyways, that's yeah. neither here nor there. 
I think when you look but at But you the, position yourself to make a New Year's Six Bowl, and that's a big deal, too. I guess. Um, it is. It, it's, it's all you can do in the position that he's in. If you look at the money, from what it sounds like, they're going to be doubling Mel Tucker's salary at Colorado, which was like $2.7 million. Yep. So you would think Luke Fickle had the opportunity to more than double his salary at Cincinnati, which was slated to be two point four. He's leaving a lot of money on the table, but at the same time, that money is going to be there each of the next three years. Right. And it sounds like a big Catholic family that... The family you know dynamic was it, huge. It actually did matter in this it case. It did. And, and a lot of times I think that is overblown, but for this situation, it sounds like his wife and his kids had a big influence on him sticking around. Yeah, like I said, money talks, but when you're, when you're talking in, in terms of millions of dollars... $2.4 million goes a long way in the city of Cincinnati. I mean, you can live in an upscale lifestyle. And if you're really comfortable, which it sounds like his wife is very comfortable here, um, and you're still living an extremely comfortable life in an area that you like, I, I don't think you can lose. I, I just don't. Yeah, I think, I think that's I know everybody right. looks at it cross-eyed going, how do you turn down doubling millions of dollars? You just can sometimes. I mean, really, you can. It's easier to do it when it's a near certainty that you can make the same decision a year or two from now right. and get that yeah, same money. Exactly. And the, the the question is what job now would lure him away? Obviously, I think any of the legit contenders, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, the Ohio States, um, the Oklahomas, yeah. outside that group, maybe a Pac-10 job that he feels like he can get back on top of UCLA? I just, I just don't see him leaving. I mean, I, excuse me, a USC? I don't see him leaving his roots his recruiting roots, though, I just don't. I don't think it makes sense either. I think he probably. I, I mean, I think it's one of the jobs we mentioned. I think. I think the Ohio hope, State would be the dream, right? The, the hope would be because Ryan Day kind of looks the part. The hope would be that Ryan Day decides he wants to go coach in the NFL, right? I mean, that that would be the. I mean, no, he's not going for another college job. Um, so th- that would be the the hope, and then Ohio State opens up. But there's no unless that happens, there's no clear path for him to get the Ohio nope. State job anytime soon. Nope. So it becomes interesting of what would be the job that lures him away in the next year or two. And- or, or, or even if you think that, look, I got, I got a three to four year window still here in Cincinnati. I can, I can bide my time and wait. I'm still a fairly young man. I don't have to, you know, I'm not 65 years old and time's running out and I want to get my opportunity to coach Ohio state. And I still think I can win over the next three years. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till the job opens. Yeah, I think that's right. What does fickle staying at UC mean for the program? That's a good. It means it just kicks the can down the road. I mean, you're going to lose him eventually, right? I mean, that you you know that's coming, and that's okay. I mean, they have survived. They have, the, the only real misstep they've had in this whole coaching process since Rick Minner was really Tommy Tuberville. Um, and the funny part was Tommy Tuberville was the most high profile hire of all the last group of guys. It was Brian, just the wrong type of hire. Yes, correct. But Brian Kelly was coming from Central Michigan, and so was Butch Jones, and Mark D'Antonio was on Brian Kelly's staff. Tuberville was literally the highest-profile hire they had, and yet he's been the biggest failure. So I think they've done a good job of, of picking that up-and-coming guy and letting him run his course, and then you move to the next. And it might be Marcus Freeman who's on the staff. It might be somebody else in the MAC that we, we don't know about yet. I think this is a big win for the new athletic director, too. Yeah. So he had nothing to do with it, really, I would say, other than the fact that, hey, I don't feel like you're such a bozo that I can't work for you. Uh, unless he made some some concessions of, hey, we're going to start the process of raising money to build a, a permanent indoor 
practice facility or we're oh. going to upgrade your coaching staff salaries. I'm sure there were some concessions made there, too. Yeah, that had to be done, but I'm sure, you know, how much of a leash do you really have right. at that point right. as a brand new athletic director? You're having to get that handed down to you from somebody else. Correct. And, you, and you always do, really. Um, but this gives the new athletic director a chance to settle in with a big-time coach and right. feel like, hey, we kept him. We've got some momentum going forward now as I start my tenure. That's got to be a good feeling as opposed to, I've got to make a new coaching hire that I'm probably not quite ready to make just yet. In a right bad away. time in a bad time of the year to be doing that. Yeah, that, that would have been a tough situation to walk right. into. So I think that's big for the new athletic, athletic director. I do too. Um, and, and, and aside from that, I think the other thing it does is it gives you a chance for Luke Fickle and his coaching staff to continue to stockpile this program with more talent. Yes. So if they do leave next year or the year after, you're going to be in a pretty good spot, even if they take – a top recruit, an Evan Prater or something like that with them, you're still going to be in a good spot with a pretty loaded program. Yeah, I agree. I, no, I, I, I said last week, and I, Sunday night on the Sports Authority, I, I thought he was staying. I thought the family dynamic was a, was a big pull for him, and it, I think it turned out to be that way. Yeah, you guys did a good job on the Sports Authority. I thought you had a, a measured conversation when a lot of people thought it was a done deal that he would end up at Michigan State. You guys kind of called that. <laughs> because it. Sparty Boy 53 said it was going to happen. <laughs> well, everyone at Michigan State, including I think their administration, thought it was going to happen. Yeah, well. And it seems like they uh, really screwed that process up. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see the, I think it was a board of trustee member that 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 took a pot shot at Fickle afterwards about. Yeah, made it seem like he was fl- a flake. Yeah, well. Which is ridiculous. It's, it's absurd. The funny part is Mel Tucker said no, and then he came back and said, yeah, I guess I'll do it. Yeah. Sure. Took an actual waffling flake as you had. Yes. Nice work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think, unfortunately, you saw that that you you got Mel Tucker. Yay. Good work. I literally didn't know who he was. I did did know. He's, he's, but that's neither here nor there. You took a guy who turned you down from Colorado off of a losing season. Think about that for a minute. He turned you down and then decided, yeah, I better take this. I, I may not get another opportunity like this ever again. Sure. I'll take it. Good luck. Good luck, Mel. Congrats, Mel. And good luck to you, Sparty Boy 905. <laughs> Skinny NFL Network's Ian Rappaport tweeted Wednesday that the Cincinnati Bengals are willing to work with longtime starting quarterback Andy Dalton on a trade, a plan that has been communicated to Dalton. Do you think Andy Dalton will be traded this offseason? Yeah, I've thought it all along, but it, it's so funny. I, 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 don't, I don't get the whole working with him on a trade. I'm not working with him on a trade. I'm taking the best value I can get for him in a trade. And I don't care if that means he goes somewhere and, and isn't going to be a starting quarterback. If somebody says, hey, I'll give you a second-round pick, even though we've got a starting quarterback, and another team gets, says, I'm going to give you a fourth-round pick, but he can be our starter, I'm not going to go, hey, buddy, good luck. I'm, I'm going to take the fourth, and you go have a good time in Tennessee or wherever that might be. Yeah, Duke Tobin made the comment in a recent interview that they yes. wanted Andy to be comfortable with whatever happened. And No offense, I... It's not my job. Well, yeah, and I don't know that they really believe it's theirs either. This I agree with you. This almost feels like some lip service. Of yes, just, I Hey, we've got to say the right thing because we really respect Andy Dalton. I, I'd be, now with the Bengals, I guess nothing would surprise me, but I'd be hard-pressed to believe that any NFL front office is really worried about the the well-being of their players. They don't care about the well-being of, of the players not. when they're on their own team. Of course not. No, you're, you're, you're going for the best deal you can get. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. Of course, and they should be. <laughs> and, and, and they absolutely should be. But yeah, I thought all along that he was going to be traded. Um, the, the only thing that would make me waffle on it a bit is, and I think they'll wait a little bit for this, 
It'll be either right before the draft, maybe during the draft, or certainly very quickly soon after. I think a lot of it will depend on, and I know I'm overthinking this, what offers you can get for that first overall pick. And that if you still feel like you can get Tua at some point, even though you're trading out of number one and you're getting a multitude of picks, then maybe you keep Andy around while Tua heals as a bridge guy. I just don't see that being the case. I don't. I think they're more than ready to move on. I think they're ready to move on with Joe Burrow. I, I get all that. But I also think you have to just – You still. I think everyone wants things to be settled today or last week. It's not. It's still a pretty fluid situation. Again, somebody could wow you. Who would have thought in 1999 the New Orleans Saints were going to give up their entire draft for the Bengals pick and the Bengals said no? I mean, there, there, there could be a knucklehead out there somewewhere. Can you get a second round pick, no. Randy Dalton? No, I think at best you get a fourth. Really? At best, yeah, I do. I think that's a, that's the best you're going to get. Because I think what's going to happen is this. I think Tom Brady is going to go back to New England. I think Drew Brees is going to give one more run in, in New Orleans. And then suddenly the quarterback market's dried up a little bit. Yeah, the, the, the Chargers are going to need a quarterback. Maybe the Bears are moving on from Trubisky, but I don't know if that's with Andy Dalton. Um you know, maybe Miami trades for a quarterback just to be a bridge, although I think they could bridge it with Fitzpatrick again for a year. I just, I don't think the market's going to, it's going to be there, but I don't think it's going to be outlandishly high. I just don't. Now, if Brady decides he is going to move on, and I think that sets a boatload of dominoes start to fall because then somebody fills New England and then that falls another one somewhere else. I, I, I just don't think there's a huge market. I think there's a market. I just don't think it's a huge market. So maybe a third, maybe a th- maybe not. You're not getting a two for him. You're just not. But you're probably trading him either way, regardless of what that pick is, right? Yes, just because you're not bringing him back at that price. Yes, no, correct. That's exactly right. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're not keeping him around just for the year. You're just not, not at that price. Absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the only way you do it is if you decide to make that trade. You decide. Look, we think two is upside is huge and we're looking forward to him getting fully healthy and we're going to let him sit this year out and we're going to just ride with Andy for one more year but I just I don't see that scenario at all I just don't well hold that thought because we're kind of on a similar path here with our next question CBS Sports NFL reporter Jason Lockhamfora offered Monday morning what he called a three-step plan to fix the Cincinnati Bengals it involves trading longtime starting quarterback Andy Dalton trading for Carolina Panthers quarterback Cam Newton and dealing the top overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. Do you see any logic in Lockham Forest plan? No, I do not see logic. And I get we're in silly season where we're all doing things like this. Well, hold on. Hold on. Included. Well, you're about to crush him for something you're basically suggesting yourself. Um, you didn't say the Cam Newton part. Yeah, that's the damn. That, that is utterly the dumbest thing that somebody's ever written that the Bengals would trade for Cam Newton or should trade for that. That is literally the dumbest damn thing I've ever seen. Okay. By far. How come? Play that out. Why? A, he's not going to fit the offensive scheme that what they do. B, I don't think he's an upgrade. I don't think he's an upgrade of Randy Dalton, for God's sakes. I mean, that's ridiculous. I, I don't. That's that's crazy. Not at this point of his career, he's not. He, yes, he is. No, he's not. Okay. I, I, he's not. I mean, honestly, he's just not. Not at this point of his career. He, he No, I... I, it's, it is that was literally the damn dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. The trading of for Cam Newton. What does that solve? I'm bringing more money in. No, I'm trying to. I'm trying to shed some money here. Well, I'm trying to get a rookie quarterback. Well, he's on a similar contract to Andy Dalton. You'd have I one still, year no, rent, I, I, I don't offer. Yeah, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to ride with Andy Dalton. I, I'm, I'm, I'll do that. Okay, so I mean, but let's talk about that then. You what? What about Andy Dalton being the one year quarterback? 
sticking around, and then oh, oh, you're back to just trading the first round Joe, Bur- the first overall pick of Joe Burrow. Yeah, and it, again, it has to wow you. I mean, you just can't say I want to trade the first overall pick. I need to know what I'm getting back before I even sign off on that. Yeah, obviously, I think, and that's obviously what his plan was too. But when you look at, I need all three of the been- Dolphins' first round picks, and I need their second round pick. I, I need a, I need a boatload to make this deal. I think it's possible you could get like. Not all three picks in this draft, but I think it's possible you could get like three number ones for it overall going forward. Maybe. I, I, it's got to at least be that. It's got to be a minimum of that. I and w- I'm not trading for Cam Newton. No, 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 no. No, thank you. I, I mean, not, Cam, Cam Newton is definitely better than Andy Dalton. And if you're being no, no AJ, chance, if you're, there's no chance. If you're franchise tagging AJ Green, I do see some logic in the concept of trying to just see if you can win for a year because. <sighs> I mean, I, I don't think you're you're bringing a new quarterback and rebuilding this team to a point that you can win this year. I, I'm going to if Cam Newton's career passer rating is above ninety, I will I will I will apologize to you. There's no way it is, no way. Look, Andy Dalton has a career passer rating that's higher of eighty seven point five to eighty six point one. They have almost exactly the same win loss record. I'm riding with Andy Dalton before I'm riding with Cam Newton, especially in this offense. This offense is not designed for the Cam Newton skill set, and you're not going to tear down your offense for one year for this guy. I for, First of all, I don't think you should be doing this either. Um, That's why it's the damn dumbest thing I've ever read. I, I don't think the Cam Newton part is the dumbest thing I've ever read. I think, I think the idea that going... At this point, you have to do the Joe Burrow thing. Let's be honest. You I mean, you have to. And you, if you're you, wowed, you ha- you have to. What if they honestly? What if they go through the evaluation process and don't like him? I don't think that's going to be the case. But I think you also got to you got to let that play out. But these are also people that evaluated that Ryan Finley could play quarterback in this league too. So I'm not exactly thrilled with that. Yeah, I don't know that I would trust them to make that decision. And I think at this point, everyone is so freaked out and over the top excited about Joe Burrow that if you do not pick him and he ends up being good, you're going to look so bad. And this fan base, I mean, I don't I don't know how it could hate you any more than it already does, but There's it's no your one chance at hope right now for this fan base. If you don't give them Joe Burrow, they're going but, to lose but I go their back minds. To, if the medicals come back on Tua, you don't have a lot of high hope for Tua? No, I like Tua. Okay. I've always liked Tua okay. more than Burrow for the most part. Now, at this point, I would take Burrow over Tua just based off how it how the season ended and obviously Tua's medical history. Um, but I, I'm with Lock and Fora more so on if, if I was not going to take Joe Burrow, my plan would be the same as Lock and Fora's plan, which whether it be Cam Newton or Andy Dalton, whoever, you play it out one year with a rental quarterback yes, for and, one and more Andy, year. You keep, and, you keep Andy. And then you do. And then you try to get Trevor Lawrence next year or Justin Fields. Yeah, but that again you're you're hoping for losing, and, and that's, that's well. You that's are easy. going to lose if you're that's the easier said than done. I, I don't think I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't. Okay. You I didn't I, think they were going to lose this year. I don't. I, I just I don't think that's the case. I mean, this year was a nuclear situation with a bunch of injuries piled on top of a bad roster. Again, we're also assuming they're going to they're going to plug other holes on the roster too. I mean, that's a, that's the assumption we're making. Yeah. I mean, good luck with that. Good that's luck a with that. Hell of an assumption that. to make. I'll give you that part. With this franchise. All right, let's switch gears, Skinny. Major League Baseball announced rule changes for the 2020 season on Wednesday. Most of the changes had to do with the roster, but the most notable change is what's being called the three-batter minimum rule. The official baseball rules have been amended to require the starting or any relief pitcher to pitch to a minimum of three batters until such batters are put out or reach base or until the offensive team is put out unless the substitute pitcher sustains injury or illness, which in the umpire crew chief's judgment incapacitates him from farther play as a pitcher. 
Do you like baseball's new rules? The only ones I do, I'm going to get to this one because I hate this one. I think this is the dumbest thing that's that's come down the pike in a while. Um, I do like the fact that that they're adding an extra player to the roster for a 26th. That that they're they're keeping the pitching staffs to 13. Um, but before before September first, now everything changes after September first, like it always does, because you can expand the rosters. But up until September first, I, I do like that because I think it 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 does get you back to having a, a starting rotation. But it also does give you an eight man bullpen. If you need more than eight men in your bullpen, then you've got some real problems for the most part. But this three bat batter minimum, no, it, look, that's that's part of the thing is is matchups. It's about. I've got a left-hander to get your left-hander out. If your left-hander can't hit my left-hander, too bad. What about the pitcher who comes in and gives up a home run and then another home run? He's got to face a third. He's got nothing today. And he gives up another home I mean, I get to take him out after that, but great, I've given up three home runs because this guy sucks. Yeah, that's where it's a stupid idea because there are legitimate situations where you absolutely should be taking your pitcher out before they've gotten through three batters. Now, I think managers totally overdo it with the situational lefty stuff i think it's a little bit ridiculous but in fairness there are some stats to suggest it does help it helps a ton i i I think it's overblown to some to some extent but i do think for some guys there are certain guys that really do struggle against lefties um and it's and it's a part of the game it's not really saving you that much time or making that right. big of a difference That's exactly to make this change and yet if you do get into a situation let's say like the playoffs or the world series where you bring in a reliever and he gives up back-to-back home runs in a relief situation and you can't take him out of the game that's going to be the dumbest damn thing or let's say bases loaded guy comes in and he just doesn't have any control whatsoever walks a guy walks a guy and look after the first walk you may want to yank him right walks another guy you're like Eight straight. Uh, yeah, I got to get him out. <laughs> I, mean, I, I got to get him out, but I'm not allowed. That's, it's dumb. It's, it's a terrible rule. And here's the thing: again, if you're gonna, if you want to limit pitching staffs to what they're going to, which is 13, you're going to eventually run out anyway. I think that's the part that's overblown. Is it feels like managers do this every night? They it doesn't don't. happen that much. No, it doesn't. Like I mean, it, it's annoying at times when it happens and it feels silly for no reason. Or they bring a guy in for for one batter, he walks him and then comes right back out. It's like, well, what was the point of that? You could have just left the last guy in to walk him, right? Um, that type of stuff happens and it is frustrating. But it's not what's costing you fans. It's not what's slowing the game down and making it uninteresting. That's correct. I, I don't understand what the impetus of of making this decision was. Like, what made you think this was a rule change that needed? to be made yeah that's the part i don't that's the part i don't uh, yeah like where was the be- the big upside where, here of like oh this will really help something this will really fix part of the game yeah I, I i i don't see it i just i honestly i don't get it i it, it it's just trying to do it's trying to do too much to change the game and and look I, time anymore in baseball everybody's always worked up about games taking too long no it's the lack of action anymore in games is what really takes you away from it it's the three outcome thing right it's a walk it's a strikeout or it's a home run I think that's what has fans going this just isn't much fun to watch and for a lot of kids not a lot of fun to play I don't want to stand on right field all day or center field all day and not get a ball hit my way well I think it's that unless you're Rick Boring you're like please don't hit the ball to me <laughs> okay I, I think it's that and a lack of adapting to adapting with the times and reaching out to uh, fan base. And actually that's kind of in line with our next question. So let's just go into that. Major league baseball is also reportedly considering changing the playoff format. According to New York post, the league is seriously weighing the option of allowing seven teams in each league to make the postseason. 
three division winners, and four wild cards. The top seed in each league avoids the wild card round and receives a bye. The other division winners would pick their wild card opponents under the new format in a made-for-TV event and get to host a best-of-three series. Reds pitcher Trevor Bauer was very outspoken in his feelings about the proposal, tweeting, No idea who made this new playoff format proposal, but Rob is responsible for releasing it, so I'll direct this to you, Rob Manfred. Your proposal is is absurd for too many reasons to type on Twitter and proves you have absolutely no clue about baseball. You're a joke. Skinny, what do you think of the proposal to change the playoff format? It's, he's right. It's a, it's, it's, it's a joke. It's utterly stupid. Why? So, so you're going to play – hang on. You're going to play 162 games – and suddenly it's going to come down to an 83-win team that maybe has three good starting pitchers and nothing else. That's why they won 83 games against a 101-win team that's worked its whole season to get to 101 wins. And they're deeper and better, and that's the reason they won 101. And you're going to give the team that won 83 games and only has maybe three pitchers a, a chance? No. Dude, why do we always think more is better? Why is more inclusion better? You play 162 to weed out the good from the bad. I like the idea of the wild card game, and I don't mind the the the, the addition of of two wild card teams. I like the one. I mean, the wild card came about because one year two teams in the same division won over 100 games. The the Braves and the and the uh, and the the Giants. Braves 104, Giants 103, and unfortunately the Giants that year didn't make the playoffs. At that point, you're like, all right, if there's an odd one out there that look, they're a really good team, but they're second in their division. They should get in. They're good. But now you're, you're, you're watering it down, and then you're going to water it down further by saying, hey, you know what? Hey, you, you only got three pitchers, but it's a three-game series, and if you run your two guys out there and get the, get, get the two wins you need, you move on. No, just stop. Stop including everybody. What's your favorite postseason in sports? Um, probably baseball, to be honest with you. Oh, you're a lot. You're no, a probably baseball. It's March Madness. It's not even close. By far the best postseason. But you're not playing 162 games, Rick. No, but you're playing a 30-game season and boiling it down to a one-and-done scenario, not even a best-of-three, a one-and-done scenario. And you have all types of parity, and, and oftentimes it's not the best team for the duration of the season that ends up winning it. And no one has an issue with it there. Look, you have a point about the fact that you are, baseball is a duration. It's a marathon-type sport. And boiling it down just to a three-game series does seem a little unfair at times, but honestly, that's way better than the stupid one-game playoff that they do. For yeah, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I like that either. I, I would like that to be a two of three. You want to make that a two of three? Make that a two of three. But I don't. But look again, going back to your point about trying to get uh, more fan engagement and have people be more interested in the sport. The my biggest issue with baseball is that. Most seasons, and and granted, this is the Reds' fault more so than it is anyone else's in baseball. I'm a Reds fan. Most seasons, my interest in the sport is over by July. And it's still going to be over by July. Not necessarily. If you you still have an opportunity to get two more spots worth a wild card? Look, football swallows the landscape come August. It just swallows it whole. Period, Not for me though. That's the thing. Like I would, I would for love most to, everybody. I would love to stick around and think the Reds have enough runway left to come back. But the reality is, with the current setup, they're almost always out of it. Too much. To, it would take a well, total but that, miracle. But that's on them, dude. I mean, but, it is. It is on them. But there's. But, we're but not listen, the only fan base that feels that. You way. have three chances right now to make the playoffs, win your division, or be one of the two wild cards. That that's a pretty that's a pretty good opportunity. It I don't. Is. I don't need seven. Well, the Reds apparently do. And I'll be honest, as a Reds fan, 
I would like more opportunities to care about the game. And I think there are more fan bases than, than just Cincinnati that feel that way. I think you'll be able to keep more fan bases engaged longer. And I think that matters. I think that's a good thing. I don't think I, I think once football starts, it just swallows people whole. It just it does. It just Some, engulfs everybody to an extent. But but that's the problem. You need to fight back against that. Just saying, oh, no, we can't fight back against football. We lose all our fan bases once fall hits is a bad idea for business. If you want to keep I your just business don't think, going, I just think half your teams need to be in the playoffs. It's kind of like the NBA. I don't need, why in every other sport. I, don't, they are. I know. And I don't I don't need eight teams in the in the NBA from each. I mean, the one versus eight. So what's the point? I mean, Points of two more home games for a team for, for for gate. That's about all it is. Those 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 things are worthless. Ones versus eights are worthless in the in the NBA. But if that's the case in baseball, then why are you worried about them having to play? What do you, what do you mean? I, I don't like it. Is my point? Same thing. I know, but you're saying it's pointless. You're playing if you're the more talented team, you should just win in a three game series. So why would baseball it is different because a pitcher by himself can make all the difference. One guy can make all the difference, and they have in the past. I mean, hell, the, the the Diamondbacks won a World Series with Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling pitching every damn day. Right, and if you're if you're good enough, then you'll beat them. I don't like. I don't have an issue with you. Damian Lillard is not going to beat the Los Angeles Lakers. Sorry, he's not. I agree. What's that have to do with what we're talking about? Again, ones versus eights in baseball. It's different. One guy can make the whole difference. One guy. So be able to beat them. Like I I don't have any sympathy for teams not being good enough to win. Like, that's what you're saying. No, you're no, saying, no, that's exactly what you're saying. I'm saying you need to earn your way in, not win 83 games and make the playoffs. And I'm saying if the rules dictate that you're in and you're not the best team, then the best team should beat you in the playoffs. Like, I don't have... Not in baseball. Why? Because, again... We have no issue saying that in any other sport. Because in baseball, one guy can make a difference. That's the case in every sport. Damian Basketball Lillard is way more no so way. than baseball. Damian Lillard is not going to... Zion Williamson is not going to elevate the Pelicans past the Lakers. The only, Lakers have too many guys. Only because he's not enough better than all those guys. I mean, LeBron James did it for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know what? I'm at the state. Let them all in. Let, let the 55-win Tigers play the one seed, and maybe they get lucky for a three-game series. I mean, I don't think they will. So what, what would it matter? I don't know. Maybe they do. I mean, you see it all the time. I mean, bad teams can go into a town and win a series. Right? I mean, it happens all the time in three-game series. Reds may be terrible. They can go to the Dodgers and win two of three. It happens. I mean, sure. I, what's that have to do with the postseason that we're talking about here? Like, Because in the postseason in baseball, this one guy makes a difference. That's my point. Okay. So beat him. Like, I don't... I, it, it's not that easy. I just, I, I, I just don't know why more is always better. I think you earn the great thing in baseball is it's 162 games. You want to water go play 80 games and let's just have a It's 162 games that we don't care about because only a few teams are ever relevant in the sport. That's the issue. You need more teams to be relevant more consistently so more fan bases care more consistently. You're losing an entire era of fans. The look, pe- people in the in the non-playoff cities, they're not going to be watching either come that time. If that's what you're trying to get out of this, more more of the nation to care, I more will, individual fan bases care. I would be watching in July and August if the Reds were still fighting for a wild card spot. And I don't think the vast I think football swallows you at that point. No, it won't. Okay. I've always watched All them right. in the past if they've been up All for a wild card. I'll really spot. disagree with you on this one. I, I, why, I hold on. Why we always I, wild all the bars were packed the last time the Reds were in the wild yes. card. Game. And, they, and they probably will be again. So why wouldn't more people care if they have an opportunity to be in it? Again, they would. People would care. I, I, just, I just I just don't see it. I just don't see the upside to this. Hold, 
hold I, on. I just don't see the upside to it. Okay, that's that's fine if you don't see the upside. But just strictly on that point, you don't think fans will care? Not not the general fan. No, I don't. But Maybe they, the fan of a certain fan base. Yes. Okay, They're but, always going to care. But that's what you're looking for. In ba- that's exactly what you're trying to do is get more fan bases to care longer because it is They're a gonna sport. Care for, for three, one fan base is going to care for two more extra days. Yay. Oh, no, 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 no. You're missing my entire point. I tune out now in July because the Reds are done because there's no hope. That's because because they're they're a 70-win team. Right, because they have no hope to get to that wild card. If there are two more wild card spots, there is going to be hope that they can come back even after a start like they had this past season. They won't be out of it after an April like they just had with the new playoff format. They still would have been out of it because they didn't. They, they, went they 74 didn't. Games. They didn't get there. But in July, you theoretically, if they get hot like they did last year around the All Star break, you would say theoretically they can still make that last wild card spot, and it would keep again, me interested longer. But the slap in the face is the team that's done more over a longer period of time, getting aced out in a two of three series, and that's fine. That's a different point. That has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Is more, fans will care longer, which is why I like it. You can dislike it for that reason, but I, it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. I, I I just I hate the fact that you're going to include a team that didn't earn it over another team. Okay, and that's fine. That's a different point. That has nothing to do with the point that fans will care much longer because of this. I will care much longer because of this Maybe. season. Maybe. I, I don't understand how you can debate that. In the, in the individual cities, but I don't think the, yes, but that's the general dynamic works. of baseball is. But there are no general fans in baseball. Baseball is consumed fans of their team, and that's why you have to make it matter longer for those individual teams. I'm not going to watch it like I watch NFL Sunday where I watch any random game. No one does that with baseball. Correct. That's why you have to make the individual fan bases care longer. That's the whole okay. point of this. I just I, I And I go back to if this is about playoffs, I want the best teams in the playoffs. But again, you just said no general fans care about that, which is true for me. I don't watch the playoffs because I don't care about any of the teams. Anymore. I'm on Trevor Bauer's side. That's all I'm saying. Well, and, and let's I'll get ride to that and die. for a second. I'll ride and die with Trevor Bauer. Let's get to because Rob Manfred is a joke. Let's get to this Trevor Bauer for a second, okay? Because he's not exactly stable. Um, he really didn't have any points to this, other than the only point that he really addressed that had to do with this was that he felt there would be too long of a layoff. For the teams that are the yeah, and, the that, and that is inc- that's, 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 in, that's incorrect. That is incorrect. They're gonna have it done in three days. That's It'll correct. be the same no, exact schedule. Exactly. No, so his only point about this was totally invalid. Yeah, his point was initially that let's say you make your final start on a Saturday that you wouldn't pitch again if you were on one of those better teams for ten days for ten days or seven days or whatever. Well, that's the case now anyway. So yeah, he's wrong on that regard. Yeah, it wouldn't change that at all. Um, as for his other points, they had nothing to do with this change at all so it was pretty a pretty weird video for him to put out there his other points I actually do tend to agree with that the idea that baseball is still cracking down on people sharing videos online the fact that they try to keep all their content behind paywalls the fact that they're so rigid about weird rules like jerseys and stuff like that and do a terrible job of promoting their players um, the fact that they have no real plan in place of how they're moving forward with their digital media and their social media plans and all of that, they do the worst job out of all sports, including collegiate, out of promoting their sport online no and everything else. So all of that stuff I think he's absolutely right about. That had nothing to do with, with this, this, this thing. No playoff. No, I, I, just, I don't like the format. I will go back to what, what you just said, though, and that's true. We used to be able to embed like Reds highlights the next day in a in a Reds game story that you'd get from the Associated Press, and then all of a sudden they decided no, we're going to block that. And we were we were 
We weren't stealing it. We were embedding it where they got the credit for the click and the clip, and they decided they didn't want to share that. Right. It's not, I mean, that's a pretty simple process to me. It's archaic. It's stupid. It makes absolutely no sense. And what they don't understand is it's not how the internet works. And if you're not participating in the internet culture, the internet forgets about you. You become irrelevant. It's not like people are just going to decide, oh, you're right. You make the rules. We'll pay. We'll bow down right. to you and pay for your content now, and we'll like your content. No, a, an entire generation of fans who have cut the cord and aren't even watching cable television and aren't going to pay for your premium behind the paywall content online are just going to forget about Major League That's Baseball. That's correct. So uh, this concept that they have that they shouldn't be sharing their content and, and Bauer brought up a great point of like if something happens in the NBA, like Zion makes a play or something, that video is around the internet instantly. It's all over Twitter. It's all over Instagram. It's on every blog and website that you can find. If you want to see what happened, you hear someone talk about it, you can immediately find that video clip. If, if something happens in the major league, he used the example, Mike Trout makes an incredible play, it's almost impossible to find the video clip. No, right. You can't find it anywhere. Because they're strict on their copyright infringement, which is the craziest thing ever. Uh, that's it's a, That... For that, Rob Manfred is an absolute yeah, well, joke. I don't is, think this playoff format makes him a joke. I do think that makes yeah, him a joke. Yeah, the playoff format makes him a joke. So does the three-pitcher <laughs> the three pitcher minimum makes him a joke, That's too. a dumb rule, too. I will agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I don't understand why they don't want to share that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that helps promote your sport, for goodness sakes. Yeah. All right, Skinny, let's switch gears one last time before we get into our betting picks. We got this question off of Twitter, and it, I didn't really have any college basketball topics today, so I thought it was a good one. Okay. Out of the greater Cincinnati area college basketball teams, you put in parentheses, not UK, who would you have as the starting five of your all-star team? Well, see, then I have to ask him, what, what does he consider greater Cincinnati? So I, X, Xavier, UC, UC, and NKU were the three schools that I think he was talking about. Miami? I don't think I'd have anybody on my starting five from Miami. Sure, but you can include Miami Dayton? if you want. No. Okay. That would be greater Dayton. That's I'm, I'm just making sure. So we're just going to do the, these three teams then, right? All right, we'll go with that. Well, Tyreek Jones is going to be my starting whatever you want to call him, five or four. He's certainly a post guy. He's, he's in my lineup. Jaron's in my lineup, right? Um, Dantez Walton's in my lineup. Let me figure out who else I want. I'd like, I, I'd like Najee in my lineup. And I'll go Trayvon Scott as my fives. That's my starting five. Cumberland will be my point so you're guard. you have to play Cumberland at the point. At the huh? point, yeah. Cumberland's my point guard. Walton's my two. Najee's my wing. Scott is my 4-5, and Tyreek's my 4-5. So I think the interesting question it comes down to is what you're doing at the point guard spot. Because otherwise, I think I think four of the names are obvious candidates. Tyreek Jones is a no-doubter at the 5 because there's really not anyone close yeah, to him. Correct. Um, then I think Jaron Cumberland is a, the only other no-doubter name on this list. And the thing It's a matter of where you play him. He can be versatile. So right. you can play him probably 1 through 3 if you want here. Um, I, I put him at the 2. Because I think Najee Marshall is pretty much a no-doubt name, too, okay. when it comes down to it. I think I'm Dantez a, Walton is a no-doubt name. Well, and so that's I think the four is kind of a weaker spot among these teams, if you look at it. Uh, Trey Scott is, is a nice player, but I think you're taking Dantez over him. Um, and for Xavier, it's right. like kind of Tyreek Jones playing two centers at the same yes. time. Because uh, you don't really have a great player for that spot. So I think Dantez Walton checks in at the four. 
which then it came down to me of deciding, do I want to move Jaron to the point and try to get in? I would have had Keith Williams over Trey Scott, I okay. think, if I was going with an extra UC player. Okay. But instead, I went ahead and I said, I'm going to take Jalen Tate I as my point you, guard. I figured you were. And have a true point. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to go Jalen Tate, Jaron Cumberland, Najee Marshall, Dantes Walton at the four, and Tyreek Jones at the five. All right. So I'll, the only change for, for me then is you, I took, you take Trey Scott off of my team and put Jalen Tate in to give you a true one. Yeah, because your team That's just can't long, shoot at all, It's a pretty long team. I, I like the length of that of that team, even though you're taking Trey Scott out. I, I don't I don't mind your move. I, I don't. Um, and, and yeah, I, I guess I'm trying to look at it as who who the best five would be, but but my five maybe doesn't fit as well. Yeah, I need a little more ball handling, a little more I, a little more shooting. I, I think Jaron can play the one. I do. Yeah. Oh, I do too. He can really pass. Um, but I like him better as a scorer on the wing for me. I will say this: I don't think my team gets beat on the glass. No. No, I, I think you are going to win that battle. Yeah, so we're just going to get it and push Trey, it. We're Trey just gonna get Scott it and, run. and Tyreek gonna... Jones on the same front court would be unfair in yeah. terms of rebound. We're, we're just going to get it and go. That's all. We don't even need a point. We're not gonna, I'm not even going to have any sets. We're going to have zero sets. Ask Xavier how that works out. <laughs> we're just going to get off the glass and run, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna stop teams at the rim, and we're going to rebound the ball. We're going to get 15 to 18 offensive rebounds a game. So basically, we're just going to chuck it out. You're right, my team can't shoot, but our best offense is going to be shoot it, miss it, go get it. I mean, that's pretty much what Xavier's been doing all season. So you can just pretty much take Travis Steele's game plan and apply it to your team. I do like, I do like, I do like the question though. It was a good question. Yeah, I thought it was a decent question too. And really, there was nothing that stood right, so, out about so college if, basketball. So if, if you this week. did add UK into the mix, if you did, yeah, I go Emmanuel quickly at the one. Okay. Now the question though is, what do we do inside? Because uh, Nick, Nick Richards, Richards has to be there. Yeah, I go Tyreek Jones at the four, Nick Richards at the five. So, so who comes? Does Dantez come off? It, it probably it probably becomes Dantez coming off. I, I you over can, Dantez or Najee. You can make the argument of Dantez over Najee because Dantez shoots it better. So if you're going for like true fit, maybe Dantez. But if we're being honest, I mean, I think Najee is a a better overall prospect. I do too. I I, I do too actually. Yeah, and I, I like Dantez I mean, a lot. I mean, Najee's in the Big East doing. It's what funny. He's doing. So you, if we just add UK to the mix, this is not a knock, and this is kind of interesting because it's the way you're trying to fit teams together here, right? Yeah. We go from maybe two NKU guys on the team we just put together. To possibly know you, NKU guys. That's weird. Yeah, right? because it depends on the positions, right? right? The only reason I'm sliding a second one in my original lineup is, is to get because a point of guard. the point guard get a point situation, guard. Right. and right. it's just weird that neither UC or Xavier really have a a point guard right now that you would feel de- good about taking. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's what it comes down to is that Emmanuel quickly makes that decision really easy yeah. at the point guard spot. What if we added Miami? I'm just uh, Nike. Nike Sabani Sabani, could be a, a good that's about, man. that's about it. That's about it. And we're not adding Dayton, so we, there's no Obi Toppin discussion. If we did have Dayton, Obi Toppin would be your four man. Yes, pretty easy. Yes, he would be. That, that would be an easy no brainer. All right, betting time. Yeah, let's get in our betting pick, Skinny. What do you got on our records? Last week I went five and seven. Worst week by far. It leaves me sixty five, forty three, and four. That must be nice to have a losing week and still be looking at still, that type of profit the, margin. That's a good point. You went nine and three. And you're creeping towards a positive profit margin. You're a little shy on the VIG at the moment. 56, 52, and 4 for you. So a slight below uh, below zero. Um, but another good week like that, and you'll be showing a profit margin yourself, my man. Hey, we'll take it. Thursday night, 7 p.m., Memphis invades Cincinnati. The Bearcats are favored by 7 points. The total is 137. Memphis feels like a dysfunctional mess, don't they? Yeah, it's not great right now. I did UC's loss change your opinion of them? It didn't of me because I didn't think they played all that well and still had a good chance to win at UConn. 
Yeah, I think like this UC team isn't loaded. No, you can't right, forget right, about who they right. are. They've been playing right. better, but they weren't a team that's going to dominate the conference and just run roughshod over it. Uh, yeah, on the road, they're going to have games where they still struggle, and this was kind of one of them. I, they had their chances to win that game for certain. I don't think UConn is very good, but they are I don't playing either, but they're better. Playing better. Yeah, yeah, they're playing better. So, uh, I, I, no, I think UC is going to be all right, and I think they win this game. I do, too. I'm going to go UC 69, Memphis 58. I am going to be a little bit different here in terms of your score. You got the over there, right? I got the under. Oh, you got the under. What was your score? Say that again. 69-58. 69-58. Excuse me. Yeah, you have the under. Um, I've, I'm going with UC 71, Memphis 68. So I think UC covers. And I think they'll be in control of this game. But they've had some trouble closing games out down the stretches. The games get close with them. I think it's going to be – so Memphis covers the spread and the over, but UC wins outright. Here's the thing. The loser of this game, in my opinion, probably has to win the conference tournament to get in, right? That's probably a good point. Yeah, I, I think one of these teams are probably unless out you after unless this. you see UCL has the potential to go recover from maybe a loss like this if they were to lose with a win at Houston. I think that offsets it a little bit, but maybe at some point you don't have a lot of you, too many. Losses. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You don't. They don't have a lot of wiggle room, and it's not like you know Memphis is is way up there and like I said Memphis just they they feel like a dysfunctional mess um especially on the road you know they barely beat UCF they got slaughtered at Tulsa by 40 yeah I just you can't lose this game if you're UC and I think we talked about it on the Sunday podcast I think really they have to win out other than Houston to put themselves in position to get in at large I think the last bracket matrix was funny I think after we did the podcast they were actually in bracket matrix on Monday as a, as a as a twelve seed, I don't know if they're still in bracket matrix or not. Um, they haven't played since then. Xavier was actually the second eleven seed. Xavier kind of had comfortably put itself in at least in based on that. I don't know if you've looked lately or not. Yeah, I'm actually pulling it up right now. Um, as we talk, Xavier is now the third ten seed. Wow! And, so they've actually moved to that line. And Cincinnati is the first four out. Okay. For okay. First one. So like I so like I said, they were they were barely in after Sunday, and I whatever else has happened since then has kind of knocked them off the off the board. So that goes back to they just can't really afford. You can't afford home. You can't afford to lose to Memphis at home, right? Yeah. I mean, really, UC can't afford losses. Period. In this conference. Yeah. The only one I can, you can lose at Houston and be okay. I mean, but the problem is you're out as things currently stand. That's right. So you got to start getting some wins. Yeah, I don't know that a win over uh, over Memphis at home plays you back in. I think you're going to need that win over Houston to play your way back in. To be honest with you, so mm. I don't know if I'm comfortable saying they just need to avoid a loss at or they need to avoid losses except for Houston. I don't know if that's the case because they're not in right now. Yeah, that's they fair. need a big win. That's fair. Um, yeah, you just can't. You can't lose this game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I don't think they will lose the game, but I, I do think Memphis will cover. So I've got Memphis to cover in the over. You've got UC to cover and the under. Yes. All right, and that takes us to Friday, 7 p.m. NKU will host IUPUI, who they smacked the first time around. This time, NKU a favorite by 17 points. 145 is the total. Yeah, the, the big big numbers like that bother me, even though NKU is clearly the better team. IUPUI just, just stinks. Yeah, I'm just going to throw a crapshoot number out there. I'll go Norse 74-60. So I'm going to take NKU. Or I'm going to take rather IUPUI in the under. Way under. Um, Human nature is they know how bad IUPUI is, right? They know. Yeah, play this go, especially after the way they played them that first time at their gym. Yeah. I mean, it was just total domination. That being said, IUPUI is led by Jalen Minette, and he's a point guard who need or a scoring guard who needs ball screens constantly that's how he plays he just plays off of ball screens 
And we have seen time and time again, players who need to play off of ball screens do not fare well against this that NKU defense. defense. Right. And he was totally taken out of the game the first time. I don't really see that changing. I don't think they have an answer for it. This IUPUI team is not very good. And I feel like I'm in the same situation as I was for the Detroit game. Yes, 17 is a big number, but I don't feel comfortable betting the other side of it. So I'm going to go ahead and say NKU covers it. I'm going to say NKU 81, IUPUI 63. So that just covers an NKU. NKU just covers, and that's the under. The only thing I'll say about IUPUI is, and these, this is their losses since that NKU game, 9-12, a win in overtime, 10-15-6, and one in overtime. So they, it sounds like they do compete. Yeah, and they beat Oakland, which right. shocked everybody. Right. So they do compete. Kind of. That's, uh, that's t- like the classic team where you know they're going to lose, but they play hard enough to cover, right? And like this UIC game we're going to talk about in a second is the same way for me. It might just be the matchup thing where you see it once in person. It's just really hard to get out of your mind how bad of a matchup right. it was on that day. Right. And maybe they just had a bad day, but I, I'm just, I can't bet IUPUI in this yeah, matchup I, I after saying, already if, seeing them. If, if I was having to lay my, my money down on this game, I don't think I would lay my money down on this game on either side. Right. Yeah. Well, I think what you do is you, you tease it and take it with another game probably and take NKU. I think I tease. take the, I tease it up to 22. <laughs> 22 is a big number, brother. I still wouldn't feel comfortable. I hit him by 25 last time. I didn't say I'd feel comfortable. All right, Saturday, 2 p.m., Ole Miss at Rupp Arena taking on the Kentucky Wildcats. UK is favored by 10. 136 is the total. How about that turnaround against Vandy? Holy cow, getting smoked early in the second half. How would would you have felt if you were were somebody that took Vandy plus 10.5 and they're up 10 early in the second half? Not feeling good about that one. Oh, I would have felt great. Well, you you feel great about it as it's happening. Yes. Oh, yeah, but the way it played out. The way it played out. I mean, for for Kentucky to come back, I think. But you you had, I mean, you're an idiot for taking that bet in the first place. I wouldn't have taken that bet. I'm just saying. You deserve that. I'm just saying, when I looked at the score, I went, whoa, holy cow. Nick Richards was Nick Richards. Yes, in the second half. Um, Old Miss is playing better, but not good enough to go into Rupp and cover this number. I think UK gets themselves a nice Saturday afternoon home win for the crowd. Crowd will be a little bit wired. Kentucky 77-60, so I got UK in the over. I think Kentucky will cover the number as well. I'm going to be a little bit closer on it than you are, though. I'm going to take Kentucky 77, Ole Miss 65, so that's Kentucky and the over. Okay. So we got Kentucky both in the over. All right. That brings us to Sunday at noon. Cincinnati travels to East Carolina. The Bearcats are favored by 10 points on the road. 140 is the total. I can't lay you seeing double digits on the road against anybody. Um, Understandable. I, I just it's, I, I think it's going to be just an ugly win, especially um, the, the Memphis game will be fairly emotional because, like I said, you've got to win that game. And and so you're going to have to be all out to win it. You've really only got a day in between because you got travel involved. Um, I think you see sluggish. I don't think they lose it. I just don't trust them on the road. I'll go Bearcats 67-62. So you see in the – or uh, rather East Carolina covers in the under. Do you want my introspective take here yes. or am I just – No, I like, I like when you're introspective, Rick, much all like right. you were with the Rob Manford discussion. My introspective take is that – Cincinnati, no matter what happens in the Memphis game, is going to kick the hell out of Eastern Carolina because either they're going to feel like we got the win that we needed, we needed against Memphis, we still got this going. Over. You can't let it happen. You can't lose it against Eastern Carolina, or they're going to p- be pissed off because they feel like they probably just blew their season against Memphis, and they're going to take that frustration out on Eastern Carolina. Either way, I think it, it, they cover. You're laying UC in ten on the road. I am. I'm going to say UC seventy eight, Eastern Carolina sixty five. I, I got to look at what UC's done on the road so far in the league. 
Have they? Yeah, they beat UCF by 14. So a loss at Tulane, beat UCF by 14, a loss at Memphis, a seven-point win at Temple, a one-point win at Wichita, and a one-point loss at UConn. Yeah, I'm not laying 10 points. My short take is ECU sucks. They do suck, but I'm not laying UC and 10 on the road against anybody. Sorry. I am. I'm taking UC. Right. I, I took them to not cover against Memphis, so I'm taking them to cover here. All right, good enough. Balancing it out. That takes us to Sunday at 2 p.m. The Norse are hosting UIC, the Flames, NKU, the 10-point favorite, 132 is the total. That's a good, that, that feels like it's right on the number that I would have hung. Um, I, think, I think NKU covers this one. It's a sweat job, but I'll go Norse 72-59 against UIC. So NKU in the under by a point. You talk to any coach in the Horizon League, and they'll all tell you UIC is one of the most talented teams in the conference. They expect them to be better. They're dangerous, yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. To me, IUPUI and UIC are the best two matchups in the conference for NKU. I think they roll both of them. I think they hold this UIC team to just 57 points. I'm going to go NKU 71, (laughs) UIC 57. We're almost dead on. NKU in the under. Yeah, we're almost dead on. I was 72-59, so there we go. And one more. All right, finally, Monday at 6.30 p.m., Xavier travels to Carneseca to take on St. John's. The Johnnies are one-point favorites. The total is 139. Man, their season is just collapsed, basically. They, they did get a nice home win over Providence on Wednesday night, so that was kind of a bounce back for them. But before that, I think they'd lost, what, six of seven. Um, I don't I, – I know we always live in these vacuums of the most recent game, right? So the Butler game's in our memory, and really Butler – kind of handled Xavier for the most part, but that didn't surprise me. I mean, it really no, didn't. It was, that game played out almost exactly, exactly how right. as every metric expected it to play exactly. out. Exactly. Um, Vegas had it nailed. Ken Palm had it nailed. Yeah. Haslam had it nailed. No, I, I mean, Torvik had it nailed. Literally, Vegas's number was anywhere from five to six, and I think it ended up on five and a half, and so a lot of people were affected by the, Najee the, the Najee Marshall .63 pointer that he double-clutched and somehow drilled. Um, Including your boy. How about that? I... I think X goes and gets this road win. I, I think St. John's just isn't good. I think Xavier's good enough to go get this. They they apparently love going to that part. I mean, they went to New Jersey and won. Now they not too far away. They get to go to New York City, and I think they get the win. I'll go X seventy three sixty eight. So that's Xavier and the over actually. St. John's is a team. Really, the whole conference matches up well with. But specifically, what Xavier needs out of teams is teams that don't defend the the paint very well. Don't defend interior. Um, and St. John's is one of those teams. I think they're giving up maybe the highest two-point percentage in the conference. That'll allow Tyreek to be Tyreek and, and you to get some stuff with Najee going and Paul going towards the basket, I think. I think Xavier takes care of business here. It won't be pretty because it's on the road, but they'll get the win that they need. Xavier 68, St. John's 66. So that's Xavier and the under. All right, so there we go. Those are our picks for the week. All right, appreciate you being with us. We'll be back next week. Actually, we'll have our college basketball podcast over the weekend. We'll be back. Rick and I will be back next week with another Skinny Podcast, the Pope Reed Edition. Thanks for being with us. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast.